Turn in your Bible, please, to Luke chapter 23. I want to speak this morning on the subject, why did Jesus stay on the cross, or the magnets of the cross? Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 32. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also is written over him in letters Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. We come today to the crucifixion of Jesus, the most ruthless crime in all the annals of ignoble history, and yet the most glorious, the most hopeful event of all time. The spot of Calvary is the center of all things. Here two eternities meet. The streams of ancient history converge here, and here the river of modern light takes its rise. The eyes of the patriarchs and the prophets strained toward Calvary, and now the eyes of all generations look back to the cross. This is the end of all roads. At Calvary, the seeker of truth finds truth, the weary finds rest, the bereaved finds sympathy, the sinner finds forgiveness. But why did Jesus stay on the cross? They said, if you're really the Christ, come down from the cross and save yourself and us. What I want to submit to you today, it was not because of friendlessness. In Matthew 26, 53, thinkest thou not that I can now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? Someone has drawn a picture with Christ on the cross and the angels of God all around him with their swords drawn and just the beckon of his finger, they would come and take care of all those cruel people that were crucifying him. Jesus said, do you not know that I could have called 12 legions of angels? He stayed on the cross not because of friendlessness. It was not because of human weakness. In John 10, 18, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. It was not because of powerlessness. In Matthew 28, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So it was not because of friendlessness. It was not because of human weakness. It was not because of powerlessness. What was it that held Jesus to the cross that day? I want to suggest about four things. Number one, it was the magnet of our sin, my sin and yours. In Isaiah 64, verse 6, all are as, we are all as an unclean thing, 
and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities have taken us away like the wind. And in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord had to lay on Jesus the iniquity of us all. There's not one exception to that. In Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Ecclesiastes 7.20, there's not a just man on earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And God said sin must be punished. The soul that sinneth it shall die. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. In Hebrews, every sin and every transgression and every disobedience must receive a just recompense of reward. There is no exception to that. But Jesus became man's substitute. He died in my place. He died the death that I should have died. He suffered all the pain that I should have suffered. And when we stood at Calvary several months ago and looked up at that skull-shaped hill, at the bottom of it, is a bus station where the multitudes go in and out and across Israel. And I thought at first that bus station ought not to be there. It would be more beautiful if it weren't there. And then I thought, that's who Jesus died for. Amen. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. The masses of earth can come to Christ and find cleansing and forgiveness and start life over again. In Romans chapter 5, therefore we are justified by faith, that is, made just as if we had never sinned by faith. You take your sins to Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Believe that what he did when he died on the cross was enough for you. Confess your sins to him. Leave your burden there. And when you come back next week and you say, well, I've got some sins I need to confess. I remember something I did back in... Uh, ten years ago or five years ago or seven years ago, my question is, did you take it to Calvary? If you did, then Jesus is saying, what sin are you talking about? It's all under the blood. You see, in Christ, there's a land of beginning again. You don't have to go back through all the drugs and the tragedy of yesteryear. You can come to Christ and begin anew all over again with Him because it was the magnet of our sins that held Jesus to the cross that day. You've heard the story of the little one-room schoolhouse and they couldn't keep a teacher. The big bullies would scare the teacher and sass her and run her off. And so this particular fall, they had a brand new teacher. And the teacher came in and said, now boys and girls, we have to make some rules to run the school bus, but I want you to make the rules. I'm not gonna make them, you make them. We write them on the blackboard. So they began to put the rules on the blackboard. One was uh, no talking while the teacher's talking. Another, You, you can't get up and go out of the room without permission. And another, don't steal anything that belongs to somebody else. 
And then she said, now, in order to keep these rules, we'll have to have some teeth in them. I want you to write out here what punishment we should give to those who break these rules. She taught the pupils a whole lot then. Remember, every sin, every disobedience must receive a just recompense of reward. And so she wrote out beside the rule what the boys and girls said to write there. And when they got down there to stealing, somebody in the room said, we ought to give them 10 lashes across the bare back. And it startled the teacher, but she wrote it down. Well, things went pretty good in that class for a good while. Then one day, a big old boy came to the teacher after recess and said, teacher, somebody stole my lunch. The teacher said, all right, wait till we all get back. When they got back in class, the teacher stood up and said, this young man over here told me that somebody stole his lunch. I want the person that did that to be big enough to get up and come up here and receive his punishment. There was dead silence. You could hear a pin drop. After a little while, a little boy got up. He had on a long coat. came to the teacher and he said, teacher, I stole that boy's lunch. I hadn't had anything to eat for two or three days. My mother's very sick and my daddy's gone and I was hungry. The teacher said, son, remember the rules. Take your coat off. And the little boy said, daddy, don't make, uh, teacher, don't make me take my coat off. Take your coat off. He began to take his coat off. He didn't have anything under it. And the big boy back there stood up and he said, wait a minute, teacher. He stole my lunch, but I want to take his whipping for him. And he came and took his coat off and she went 10 lashes over the bare back to the one whose lunch was stolen. And that little boy looked at that big guy went over and hugged him, crying. He said, I'll never do that again, but I want to thank you for taking my punishment. Amen. That's what Jesus did. Amen. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. It was the magnet of our sins that led him, kept him to the cross. And then secondly, it was the magnet of his resignation to the divine will. In Matthew 26, 42, in the garden, he said, not my will, but thine be done. There was always a cross in the heart of God. It was no afterthought. It was always there. The Bible speaks of Jesus having been slain from the foundation of the world. He knew there was none other good enough to bear the price of sin. He only could unlock the door of heaven and let us in. Thirdly, it was the magnet of his loyalty to an eternal purpose. In the Garden of Eden, God promised, saying to the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. You will bruise his heel, he will bruise your head. And that promise was repeated over and over again. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And in Isaiah 7, 14, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel. 
In Micah 5, 2, But thou Bethlehem, though thou be little among the princes of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come unto me who is to be ruler in Israel. And in 2 Timothy 1, 9, Before the world began, Christ died on a cross. All through the ages, men have searched for a way back. It was not only those magnets, it was the magnet of the Savior's love. It was a divine love. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. John 15, 9. It was a self-sacrificing love. John 15, 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. It was an unchangeable love. John 13, 1. And having loved his own, he loved them to the end. It was an inseparable love. We are persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it was a proven love. In Romans 5, 8, but God proved, commendeth his love toward us. In the while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I know, yes, I know that he loves me so. He sits by the window as the long ages roll, where an eon of time is the brush of his hand. Yet the king of all kings seeks the love of each man. Should the light of the sun in time flicker and die and the earth wander off like a tramp through the sky, the darkness can't hide me. He'll find me, I know, for men are his diamonds. And he loves me so. Ladies and gentlemen, you are diamonds of the Lord. He loves you. And when they were come to the place called Calvary there, they crucified him. The Son of God, the Son of Man, the King of Heaven. And he who knew no sin literally became the trash heap of our lives. You think of all the dirty things you've done in your life. You think of all the sins, secret sins and open sins, sins of the mind, sins of the body, sins of the spirit. You think of all of them. They were all put on Jesus that day at Calvary. And while he was dying, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And in that moment, God the Father and God the Son made an eternal agreement that whosoever would believe in Jesus would not perish but have everlasting life. Now the question is, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to hang on to your old worries and your old fears and your old disagreements and the old things that have crushed you and hurt you and almost destroyed you? Are you going to take him to Jesus? He is the author and finisher of our faith. And if you trust him, he will be your Savior and your Lord. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. What a Savior we have. God is so good. We love you and thank you and praise you. And we pray that in the closing moment of this service, someone who needs Jesus will come to Christ. This will be a day of victory, a day of beginning again. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please. What's the number? 312. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord, and he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Would you step out for Christ this morning?
God help you to do it. You see, you may have come with a heavy burden. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. You may have come with all kinds of heartaches. Heartaches, take them all to Jesus. You may have come with indecision. What should I do about this? Or what should I do about this? Put your faith in Christ. Trust in Him. He will direct you from the inside. You won't have to have anybody outside telling you what to do. The Holy Spirit will tell you. If you're, if you're here today and you feel guilty, God's finger of the Holy Spirit has put it, put, it, put it on your hand and your heart. Come to Him and He'll forgive you. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. While we sing, who will step out for the King, Christ Jesus?